Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Reading is from Exodus 33, uh, verses 12 to 23. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Well, this was a message that I wasn't meant to preach. If you've seen my email, uh, I wasn't meant to preach this this morning. In fact, I've been really um, wrestling through this over the past uh, couple of weeks in particular. And, uh, and it wasn't what I was supposed to bring this morning. You know, what I was supposed to bring this morning is what most churches do in March and the beginning uh, of of March for most churches, this morning was meant to be Vision Sunday. And, uh, and I was about to take you all through four weeks of, uh, of our vision as a church and, and really unpack uh, what uh, I'd given to you back in September on our Celebration Sunday, now how we're a church of influence and we want to be a, a resourcing church and a resource church. And, and, uh, and look, we, we still want to be all of those things, but what, what I was wrestling with is... Uh, it's really something that's come out of long service leave for me, and in particular when, when I came back from long service leave here. You know, I came back from uh, long service leave, and you know what I mean, like I'm enthusiastic on the best of days. You know, and I came back from long service leave, I was here, here and I, I noticed amongst everyone here just, just this dynamic, and it was this, that um, a lot of you were wrecked. You know, it was just, it was, it was difficult because we were sort of amped and pumped to be back. How you doing? You know, it's December, it's awesome. And, and you know, p- people overworked and they're, they're driving towards the end of the year and uh, it had been a big year and people had been through big pastoral stuff. And, 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 and for a lot of people, you know, I've, I've been watching pastorally this spiritual dynamic with, with many of us where we sort of think the answer to that is, well, you know, if, if we're in that space, let's just turn up the volume even more. And that's where, you know, then therefore me and all of my wisdom back in December when we were planning this is thinking, well, you know, if, if that's true of your life and what's happening for you at the moment, then why don't we just turn up the volume on church even more? <laughs> and, um, 
And, and in resting through it, it hadn't, it hadn't sat well in my spirit. And, and it's for this reason, I think God wants to speak a word into our church through this series. And that's not, a, that's not the type of language that, if you're a Northsider, you know that we often, often use. But um, God placed this word in my spirit over the last couple of weeks because it, it was not sitting right with me. And it came out of this wrestle that Moses had from this passage. Like what we wouldn't have read initially from this passage, it was just a bit before it in Exodus 33, if you have it open. The, the context is God, God has said to Moses, you know what, Moses, I'm going to give you the promised land. Uh, I'm going to give you all of my blessings. I'm going to send you into the land that is going to be yours. I'm going to set you up. You're going to be blessed. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be everything that you're praying for. Uh, but by the way, I will not go with you. And Moses says this verse, that this is the verse that came into my spirit. He, he says this, if you don't come with us, then how will the world know we are different from anyone else? <laughs> if your presence doesn't go with, with, with us, I don't want to go. Because how will the world make us any different? And, you know, when, when, we hear, when we hear God saying, I'm going to send you into the promised land, I'm going to give you everything you want, I'm going to give you blessing, I'm, I'm going to make, it's like saying to the people of God, I'm going to make church explode, I'm going to add lots of numbers, I'm, I'm going to just bless you amazingly. Uh, you know, if we're real, for most Aussies, that would almost be the dream religion. <laughs> you know, that's like God with all the blessings without all the hard work of the maintenance, Right? <laughs> You know, and it's like having, having, this is the church that every pastor dreams of, that we're sort of church where God just comes down and we're just so full and packed to the rafters of people and resources and the rest of it. And yet it's this thing that Moses said that, I, that, that can't escape me. Moses says, if your, present, if your presence is not with us, then how will we be different from everyone else? And guys, what makes church church? I mean, like, part of the whole vision series was going to be that this year we're focusing on organisational health and leadership health and uh, spiritual health. I mean, like, if you take that grid and we preach that, like, I mean, what would make us any different than Rotary <laughs> or Probus? <laughs> what makes us different as a church? It's the presence of God. I'm so sorry that I almost missed it. So grateful that the Lord put this in my heart to say, look, you know, by, by the way, look, vision's not a bad thing. And, and, and as a side note, you know, we're in the middle of God's vision for our church. I've just come from our other location. I've come from the very place that we've been praying for as an eldership for three to five years that God would do amongst. Like, we're living in the middle of it, church. <laughs> That's part of the challenge, by the way, that we'll keep talking through. We're dealing with the realities of that. But we, you, know, you guys don't need you know, 120 minutes worth of sermons on something that you can read in eight minutes. If you want that, you can get the This Is Us booklet on your way out at the next steps. That'll give you a sense as to what God's doing in this place. The thing that got me is what we don't need as a church is another strategy. We need the presence of God. That's what makes the church for church. And you know, that, that's, that's what came out of my long service leave time too because... Um, you know, I realised after doing a little a man walk with Zaki uh, out in the bush with, with a stick, we're just having boy talks and we're at Cape Lewin on the southwest um, side of Australia and we're having our little man talks together. And he said to me, I, I, love, I love holiday, Daddy. And I said, is there a difference? And he goes, yeah. It's like you're not angry, you're not frustrated. <laughs> I'm glad you can laugh. <laughs> Um, but he said this, um, you're with us. And I realised like, the greatest gift that I could give, I've given my family during that time that we've had away was my presence. 
And I feel like God's saying to us, the greatest gift that we can have in this church is the Father's presence. Not another strategy. And so... For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about different aspects of the Father's presence. You know, Moses and the yearning for God's presence. Do we, do we yearn and crave his presence the way that we'll see in Moses this morning? Uh, next week, we'll look at Jacob and the wrestle with God's presence. Are we being changed by the presence of God in our life? Uh, then we'll look at the apostles and the corporate experience of God's presence. Like when they did church, it shook, right? I want to turn up to a church like that where you turn up and it shakes because the presence of God is there. And most importantly, in the last week, and I think this is where we're going with this series, and this is what we miss in all our hurry, and this is what I miss with Zaki, Jesus and the ministry of personal presence. Have you noticed how often Jesus walked around and in all the craziness, he'd turn around and say, who touched me? He'd stop, he'd talk to the children. And, and, and so there's, there's a sense where I believe that God is giving us this word presence this year as a church. If there be anything for us this year as a church, it's presence. And then, or we will grid that out around, you know, are we, are we yearning? Are we wrestling? Are we experiencing corporately? Are we ministering personally the presence of God? Does that sound all right? Now, the, the deeper wrestle, this is a safe place, isn't it? We're all friends here? Okay. It's locking the doors. <laughs> um, the... The deeper wrestle, and I've got to confess this to you as your pastor, the deeper wrestle for me since being back from long service leave is that um, I've just been spiritually dry. And um, there's nothing more terrifying than being a leader of a church when you don't feel the presence of God. And uh, I, I thought it was because... Um, well, you know, I've, I've, I've treated God as my boss <laughs> for the last couple of years. And, uh, and so I got to a beach in Bustleton, and my, my response to that was like, I'm on leave. God, I think just you and I, can we just have some alone time? <laughs> and I'm confessing to you, like, I, I didn't read the scriptures for three months. And the craziness in all of this, and I, I realised it in the scariness of coming back in all of this, is suddenly you get thrust back into Christmas and all the rest of it. And Lord, I'm supposed to leave, lead all these people. And, and I've, I've got nothing. I haven't been with him for the past three months. And, and it's been terrifying. And it's been scary. And what's even worse is I've just been trying to turn up the volume. I've misinterpreted this passage and I'm just like, just show me your glory, Lord. Just show me your glory. I just want a mountaintop experience so that you know that you're there. And what is even more worse and more sickening in the whole process is, Lord, I just want you to show up so I can get on with the business of doing church. Now, I, I don't want to overshare this morning, but I, I say this because... I feel that there are people in this room this morning that you've been in that space where you're absolutely terrified that in your own faith, you're not, you're not sensing, you're not feeling the presence of God in your life and you're thinking, maybe, maybe I've lost it, maybe he's left me, maybe he's abandoned me, maybe I'm not a Christian anymore. Um, what are we supposed to do with, with that? And, and I just want to speak out of my learning in that process because if ever there's been a message where I've already journeyed through this a couple of weeks before you guys, it's this, all right? So... This is how it works. Here's, here's, what, here's the first thing I've been lear learning is we totally underestimate the spiritual entropy of our own heart. And I'll get to what that means if you're not a scientist in a second. But we see this in the story of the Israelites. You see it here. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come on, let's make us gods who will go before us. For this fellow Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. <laughs> right? 
So the craziness of the whole story is like Moses goes up there to be with the presence of God. They don't see their leader, you know, for, uh, for a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, who knows in all of it. And, and they totally forget what it is that God has done. And they go and they melt all their jewelry and they go back and start making a God like the God of Egypt, like the gods that he rescued them from. And they've just come out of the Red Sea. I mean, you know, I think of it this way, you know, like I've seen the movie Prince of Egypt. If you haven't done Sunday school, like I've seen the movie, like there's, there's walls of water, you know, there's a staff, there's a guy with a beard, they walk through it, you know the story, right? And I'm thinking if, if I can see God's faithfulness in that space off the back of the movie, like how much more should you understand this if you lived it? And they totally forget. How do you do that? We underestimate the spiritual entropy of our own heart. Entropy, it's, I know that you know what it is, it's the second law of thermodynamics, Okay. <laughs> You know, th- things cool off and decay over time. Leave a chicken outside the oven long enough, it'll go cold. Leave it long enough still, start to smell. Leave it long enough and all the rats will come. <laughs> Entropy. <laughs> and the craziness of my thinking of the alone time is that I thought that somehow I could have some alone time from God and think that my spiritual life would remain the same. And we totally underestimate the dynamic. It's like when I was at cadets. I did military cadets as a kid. And, you know, we're such an air conditioning generation. And that's why, you know, it's, it's cold. We just turn on the reverse cycle air conditioning. It's fine. You know, when you're, when you're out in the bush, you know, you've got to stoke the fire. Notice that when you go camping? You have to tend the fire. You have to be putting logs on the fire. And so too it is with our faith, with our spiritual life. It's constantly running down and cooling away. That's the big problem. And so, look, the the point is this. The minute that you take your attention away from God being everything in this space, then sets in the spiritual decay. The minute you do that. Now, the the positive side of it is that, you know, if, if, if you're feeling that, and I share that, is that it's possible to have these moments of sweetness. It's possible for it to come back. It's possible to find it. In fact, you know, what I'm going to show you this morning is that as I'm discovering from the scriptures that the pathway to renewal is the same as the pathway to renewal, if that's such a word. In other words, what I mean is that the path to be made new again and to find the presence of God again is exactly the same as the pathway to find God in the first place. Which means if you are the pers- a sort of person here this morning that has come because you're searching for God and, and, and you want more of God, you know, can, can I say to you, you're in the right place. In fact, you know, a sociologist did a study of skeptics and agnostics. And this, we've got to hear this, church. Uh, he did a study of skeptics and agnostics. And uh, they asked, what, is, what would be the top three things that would bring you back to church? And you know what the number one answer was? The number one answer was, if the church would teach me how to experience God. Presence. Presence. So it's possible to experience his presence. Now, you know, some of you are going, okay, well, give us some more detail. What, you know, what's the presence of God mean? And I think when most of us think of the presence of God, we think about when we go to the bush or you're on the edge of the Grand Canyon or you go to New Zealand or you're by the beach or something like that, right? You know, that feeling where, where you just, you just, you've been in that space where you just, you just feel God. It's like, it's like goosebumps. Anyone ever had that sort of experience? We've, we've had them. This will be part of the problem. Um, I wouldn't, call that, I wouldn't call that the full experience of God. I call that the aftershave of God. That's God's aftershave. And what we see in Moses is he says, I don't want your aftershave. I want to see your face. I want to be face to face. When you're with someone and you're in their presence, you don't talk to their knee. 
You talk to their face. And whenever you see the word presence in this passage in Exodus 33, it's the word Hebrew word panim, meaning face. Moses is saying, I want to see your face. It's why God says at the end of the passage, you can't see my face and live. It's, it's too intimate. It's too much a part of me and it's too overwhelming for you. It will evaporate you if you see it. Um, another sociologist you know, talks about the way that we think about the, the presence of God. He describes it as something called numinous awe. How good is that for a word? Numinous awe, you know, the presence of something holy, that goosebump feeling on the back of your neck. You know, that is not what Moses is talking about. That's not here. The promise is it can be something more concrete than that. The promise here, when Moses says, show me his glory, you remember what God says in the passage here? God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And so you know what he's saying in all of this? You know, that, that the presence of God, the presence of God is not an abstract, numinous, or goosebumpy type of feeling. It can be, because he's both transcendent and imminent for you theologians. It can be that. But what makes him different from every other God and all the other religions and the gods of all the other gods around the world is that when you have an experience of God, it is always a concrete revelation of his character. Those moments where you get a sense through the word or you're working down the street, oh, God is good. That, that sense when you're feeling guilty that oh, he's merciful. Like we've seen this morning, he's faithful. He's faithful. You know, to experience God, it's, it's, it's to get all of these aspects of him. And it bears down on you. It begins to melt you, right? Have you felt this? Have you felt this, those moments where, you know what? And I say this because some of, some of you, here's, here's the challenge. Some of you this morning, you, you've, got, you've got worries in your life that are like mountains, and as much as I share with you this morning about how God is good and God is faithful and God is present in your life, look, I know you well enough as your pastor to know what your thought bubble's going on in front of your head if you're in that space. You're just going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? It's nice, but it's not that helpful. <laughs> Because if you're in that space, you know, it's only until that presence of God presses down upon you, only in that moment when in the midst of all of that worry that you come in that supernatural sense to feel his presence, that he is with you, does it melt it away? Have you felt that? It's the presence of God, it, it, it bears down upon you. Now, I'd suggest most of us have felt it because that, that's the problem that we're dealing with this morning, right? And if I'm real with you, that's the issue that I'm dealing with <laughs> at the moment. Is that I've, I've been in that space where I've, I've known on walks on DY Beach, those moments of sweetness under stars, listening to the Beatitudes on a walk where I felt like Jesus was next to me, quite literally. Or I've been in those moments where he just felt so real to me that I felt like I just there would be nothing like this again. And that's part of the challenge for us, right? That if you've experienced this as a Christian, you know what this tastes like. And, and really what we're dealing with is this. You know, I think, let me ask you the question. Have you got stretch marks of the soul? I, I don't, have you ever had the, the moment when, um, or the situation when you've, you've lent a, a jumper or a piece of clothing to a friend? And they're a little bit bigger than you? Um, I did in high school. I lent, uh, I lent one of my jumpers to um, a mate, school jumper to a mate in high school. And he's like six and a half foot tall which means he was only just a little bit taller than I am. But anyway, I got, I got the jumper back. You know, you get a jumper back from someone that's bigger than you and it's just... 
And that's exactly what happens when we experience the presence of God. Someone so big, someone with such capacity stretches the soul to the extent that what we feel in this moment is not so much that he's totally left us, but we're feeling the stretch marks of the soul. That there was a place, there was a void, there was an ache of the heart that we so desperately yearned to fill. And yet, at the, same, the problem is that we know as Christians that in order, to, in order to fill it, we find that, okay, well, if the choice is to go back to the things of the world, no matter how much we shovel the things of the world, our money and our security and a little bit more fun and a little bit more enjoyment, into that it never quite fills the void, right? Uh, 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 an old hymn writer understood this when he wrote, What peaceful hours I once enjoyed, how sweet their memory still, but they have left an aching void the world can never fill. Isn't that what we're searching for? Something to fill the aching void. How do we find it? There is a pathway to it. I've been journeying through it, and I just want to share with you my learnings this morning as to, as to how we get to that quite quickly. Firstly, though, there's a general principle in all of this, and it's as simple as this. The general principle is you have to want him for him. You have to want God for God. And ironically, I'm, um, it, it's, it's a bit like this. I was sitting here in my study chair yesterday going through all of my sermon drafts like this, and Zach, my little guy, comes up to me and um, he's about seven years of age, and he comes up and he says, oh, what are, you, what are you reading, Daddy? And I said, oh, it's the sermon for tomorrow. I thought, this is a great teaching opportunity. So I said, you know, buddy, um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell all the church about, really about yours and my love, you know, how like I love you for you, and you love me for me, and that really, you know, you just basically love me for me, you know, it's, it's not what you can get from me, and, and he's nodding, and we're just having a really big, deep time together, and I said, and, and so it's this unconditional love where it's just about us being present with each other, and he's nodding like that, and he pauses for a second, and he says, um, can I have your iPhone? I got his permission for that, by the way, too. He was excited to share that. Um, what I've got to repent of is um, I just want to go for his iPhone. And the heart of trying to preach some big snazzy vision series and all the rest of it fundamentally was like, God, I just want you to turn up so we can just have the power to do what we've got to do as a church. That's not what the watching world needs. And that's what not he and I need. It's what, what you and him don't need. What, we just got to want him for him. <laughs> Do you think it would be okay just to turn up and not talk activities for four weeks and just enjoy God for God? Here's, here's how you do it. The, the, the first thing that you, you find him in this space is some of you, you know, particularly if you've got the stretch marks of the soul this morning and you're just, you, you just you're feeling the, the, the sense of his absence in your life. The, the first thing you do is you take off all of your ornaments. It, it, says, it says here in Exodus 33 verse 3 to 4, God says, Go up to land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you along the way. And when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any more of their ornaments. Have you ever noticed with 100-meter runners how they don't wear any jewellery and ornaments? Sorry, I'll rephrase that. Have you ever noticed any 100-meter Olympic runners in the 1980s? Didn't... <laughs> These days, it's all about the bling. I think the bling makes you faster. I think Nike, they make Nike bling these days. You know, back then, in the 80s, when they ran fast, you know, they, they, the, you take everything off so you can be focused on this thing that you've got to do. Take it off. 
But you know what do ornaments represent for them? It was the jewelry, it was the gold, it was, you know, when you're wandering around the desert for as long as they were, your ornaments were everything for your sense of security and your sense of significance. And so that act of taking it off was an act of saying, Lord, oh my goodness, we've realized this. We strip, strip our ornaments off ourselves and we place you as our source of significance. And you're thinking, oh, look, yeah, those ancient people, of course, you know, take your jewelry off. We would never do that sort of thing. Um, anyone um, notice the stock market this week? Yeah, we're in Northside, so you're all like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so all we look at, the Bible and the stock market. Um, you know, what, what is the trend that we see when coronavirus and all the, the thoughts, the threats to our security start to happen? Anyone notice what happens to the price of gold when there's life crisis? And we think that we're people that aren't worried about our ornaments. It means we have to do the relentless search of our own hearts to say, what is, what is it? What is it that is making me anxious? What is it that is, that is driving me at the moment that I'm finding my sense of security in something that is in addition to your presence, Lord? Take off your ornaments. Second thing you do, and I love this picture of Moses here, is, is, is if you are desperate for his presence, refuse to give up asking for his presence. Have you noticed that with Moses? He says, he, 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 Exodus 33, God comes up to Moses, verse 1 to 3, and he says, I'm not going to go with you. I'll send an angel. And what does Moses say? Not good enough. <laughs> and then, then he's like badgering God the whole time. And, and then... And then God says, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll dwell in your midst. And Moses goes, not good enough. <laughs> Show me your glory. Don't you love the picture of what Moses has got here? He, he's just re- refusing to give up. In fact, the first sign of spiritual entropy is that moment when you are satisfied with your relationship with God. All right, it's just a bit of a long time. We'll get back together a little bit later. You know, Moses, Moses is an indictment on all of us. Like, it just shows us up the reality of his spiritual life. He says, I'm tending the fire here, God, and it's going pretty well, but I want to burn so hot for you that the watching world must know that you are with me. God, show me your glory. Refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. Are we, are we praying and relating to him like that, church? And, and I, I think the thing that's convicting me at the moment is, is that... Perhaps, you know, the greatest sin that's been in my life is my faint view of my faith in God. My faint view of my relationship with God. I want to burn, I want to burn hot like Moses. And here's the last one. You know, if you've stripped the ornaments, you're refusing to you're refusing to ask, stop asking God for his presence. You want him to be with you. And if if that's still not working, I love Moses' example. You know what you do? Just build a tabernacle. Build a tabernacle. That makes absolutely no sense to some people, so explain to you what it means. It means just build a tent wherever God is. And you, you see this. God says, I'm not going to dwell with you in your midst. I can't come in amongst the people of God at the moment because I'm so frustrated with them about their idolatry and their worship of the golden calf. I'm going I'm to head out here outside the camp. And Moses says, okay, God, if you're out here, you know where I'm going to go? I'm going to set my tent up here. And it's, it's amazing where it says here that, that now Moses used to take a tent and he would pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Very original. <laughs> and how wonderful is this? Anyone who was inquiring, anyone who wanted to know the presence of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. You know, Moses, Moses says, fine, fine, fine. If you're not going to come in here, I'm going to go to you. You notice that, and so he goes out. You know, Joshua is, notice his, Joshua is aid. Joshua just gets out there. It's so good. Joshua just lives in the tent. 
the whole time. He just doesn't come back. He just stays there with God. You, you build a tent. What it, what it means practically is you say to yourself, you know, I hear this all the time as a pastor, people saying, you know what, like, I'm just not feeling that God's with me. Uh, I, you know, I've been trying to pray, invest in my spiritual life. Um, but, you know what, I'm just not feeling it. So I'm just not sure it's working. I'm thinking, man, what a product of our generation we are. You know, can you see the logic? Oh, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it, so I won't do it. And what Moses says is, Lord, even if I get nothing out of it, I'm camping with you. And my journey the last couple of weeks has been, you know, Lord, I don't care if you show up. I don't care if you do miraculous things. I don't care what you do. I don't care if I don't even feel you at all. I'm going to camp where you are. I'm going to take 30 minutes in the morning to do a soap reading as simple as that. I'm going to take 30 minutes at night to do a reflective prayer and I'm going to sit with you. And my promise from my own experience has been you begin to rediscover the sweetness of God. What, cho- what, what, what choice is before you this morning? Like it was for me. What, just, we're just all the rush and the hurry. We're just, we can either just turn up the volume or we can camp outside and say, Lord, I want to, I want to be with you. Throw off the ornaments. Refuse to give up. Set up a tent if you have to. And so as we finish this morning, I guess here's my ache, and I wonder if it's your ache. You know, do, do we ache for our city to be different? And I'm just, if we do, I'm just not convinced that smart strategies is what is going to do it for us as a church. I'm not, I'm not convinced. Would you like the people around you to be renewed? Would you like the? Let me put it this way. Do you, do you wake for your grandkids to know Jesus the way that your kids knew Jesus because you took them to church? Are you sitting there praying that you just wish that your kids that you took to church would just take their kids to church so they experience God? Do you, just, do you wish that friends of yours would come to know God? Do you wish that family members would experience the wonder and the joy of God? You know, the thing that I'm realizing is that the best way that they're going to understand that is, is not through some apologetic or not because we've set up some perfect model of doing church, but it's because you went and you went and camped with God and you became so filled with the presence of God that people around you start saying, there is something different about them. And so I'm coming to realize that the one thing that that they need is the presence of God. The one thing that you and I need is the presence of God. The one thing that this church needs is the presence of God. And if you're in a space this morning where uh, you're feeling like he's gone or he's left you, you know, be encouraged. There's a, there's a great line in one of the Psalms that says, oh heart, oh heart, God has said to you. Notice that principle I've preached about that, that the psalmist is preaching to their own heart. Oh heart, God has said to you, seek my face. Therefore, Lord, thy face I do seek. And so if you're seeking today and you, don't, you feel his absence, can I encourage you that that is actually a sign of his presence You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be frustrated. You wouldn't be dissatisfied the way that Moses was dissatisfied if you weren't already spiritually healthy. Can you hear that this morning? You wouldn't be here today if it weren't the presence of God already working in your life to bring you to that place where you're dissatisfied with your spiritual relationship. Otherwise, you'd just be brunching. (laughs) A bit of smashed avo, right? You're here. Take encouragement from all of that. But for us all, may we know it's, it's, the, it's the presence of God that we need in our lives. And if it's all right with you, that's where we're going to sit. 
for the next four weeks. Let's pray. Father, we want to experience you. We want to sense you afresh in our lives. Father, I want to pray over anyone in this room this morning who is in that space where they've known the sweetness, the size, the magnitude, the glory of your presence in their life, and they're not feeling that. I'm praying for those with soul stretch marks this morning, Lord. Those who may be in places where they feel spiritually dry, where they feel afraid to declare that, where they feel guilty for that. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would speak into them now, that you would speak to them now, Heavenly Father. That you would meet them, Lord God. That you would speak to them the way that it says you spoke to Moses as if he was speaking to a friend. And Father, I pray for our church. I pray for our church as we continue to learn what it is to love you. I pray for us as we all continue in our, in our groups and in this space. To simply, um, as Paul declared, simply declare, follow me as I follow Christ. And Father, I'd take, uh, I pray that you would take the realities of our spiritual lives in the spaces that there would be the courage for each of us to declare those moments when we're not entirely right with you. And that, Father, you would teach us and you would grow us and you would shape us in the rawness and the openness of those spaces. We want to know you more, Father. And we would ask that you would meet us whenever you're ready. We can't tell you how much. We don't know when you would come. But we open ourselves up to you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au today.